Hi, everyone. You're listening to In the Open, a podcast by Mental Health America, where we talk all things mental health related. Welcome to In the Open with Teresa America. Today, we're going to talk about can people change? Yeah, I mean, initially you said, can people change? Yes, but... But... Do you change? Oh, yeah. Well, why do you say like that? Like, oh, yeah, I can change. But for other people, when can they change? We're always like, eh, I don't know. I answered in that way because I think there are certain aspects of myself that have been very constant, but I also know that there have been changes in me because I work very hard to try to do better. So I think that when I think about change... It falls into this psychological trap. It's called the attribution fallacy. The example they always give is if you're you're road raging and like someone cuts you off or like you're driving and someone cuts you off, you call them a jerk. But if you cut someone off, you're like, oops, sorry, accident, sorry. I just didn't see you. And this is, and it's tied up in our expectations of change. Like when we think about whether or not other people can change, we always overly focus on their personality. Like, well, they're always going to be a jerk. But when I think about whether I can change, I think about, I had a hard year. I'm going to lose weight. I am not going to yell as much because last year was a hard year. But this year, this is it. I'm going to do it. So I'm having mixed feelings about that because, okay, I'm going to give you the exact example that you're talking about, like road rage. Somebody like cuts me off and I'm like, damn, what an effing whatever, blah, blah, right? And then I may do the same thing. And and I don't say like, oh, well, I was in a hurry. I'll be like, dude, that was such an a-hole move. Sorry, I was an a-hole. My bad. You know what I mean? So I call myself out and I recognize that, that it wasn't the best action that I could have taken. Oh, because you're intentionally cutting people off and then you call yourself no, out? No, no. <laughs> because I, I may I may have the need to cut somebody off and I don't, but I know that if somebody did that to me, it would be like totally what my response would be like, dude, that's such an a-hole thing to do. And I'd be like, yeah, dude, I am totally being that person right now. I'm sorry, dude, but I got to go. You know, like I got to do this. So yeah. that creates, it's creating some chaos in my head about the way you're describing it. But wait, but do you think you judge? Okay, so let's d- change it differently. Forget the thing. Do you feel okay. like when you think about change, do you judge ability to change differently between the way you judge yourself to be able to change and when you judge other people and their ability to change? Because when I said, oh, do people change like other people? You and I are both like, well, I guess they do. But when I asked you if you can change, you were like, hell yeah, I could change. <laughs> there was like no pause. Yeah. I think that in the in the heat of the moment, it's hard for us to recognize and we may react in a way that's like, yeah, this person's going to be this way forever. They suck. They don't, you know, whatever. But then when I take a step back, I can then kind of walk, walk myself backwards and be like, okay, 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 fine. They reacted in that way because you did this X thing and, you know, they were only protecting themselves, you know, so that I can talk myself and try to understand it. But it doesn't excuse the fact that at that moment I, I did in some way place judgment like, oh, you're such an ass. Ugh. Yeah. You know. I think because at the root of when we ask ourselves, like, if people can change, 
we we have a hope and we know that all people can change but what we're really asking is can this person change with me no I, I, what i think so i also think the question is do i feel like sticking around until they change yeah like are they going to change now are they going to yeah. change in this relationship are they going to change the way they treat me mm-hmm. and then the big fear is always like oh, we're bad together and we should just stop this and then they're going to change and be this wonderful person with someone else. And you're like, what? Yeah. Those are very, very interesting points. So I'm going to I'm gonna hone in on one that you said because what's sticking with me is this idea that we do have this hope in like, you know, quotes, we hope people will change. But at the same time, like my cynical side is like, yeah, okay. We've talked about this like several times. I've brought to your attention that this isn't necessarily the way that I think this should be. And you do nothing. (laughs) And so then the hope that maybe was there is like squashed by this like cynical monster. It's like, forget it. It ain't worth it. Yeah. I ain't sticking around. Because with that question is a whole history of pain and failed expectations. Yeah, totally. Of the way someone has not met our needs. True, but also in our inability to be able to set better boundaries. That's hard because then you're like, well, should I be titrating my expectations to lower them? (laughs) Well, let's talk about that a little bit, you know, because... In, in that frame, right, if let's say with you and me, right, if we are consistently getting on this podcast and we're just like, dude, every time I see you, I'm like, man, I hate a freaking face. I don't know why I'm doing this thing with her, right? And like, and it's because maybe the way you talk to me or something like that, that it rubs me the wrong way all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. And then in my frame of reference, I'm never going to be like, well... I got to do this with her. So I'm just going to have to take it and whatever. But I don't. If I if I really want to be protective of myself and my, my well-being, all that, I could be like, you know what, Teresa? This isn't working anymore. So I've come up with these things that, you know, you do these things all the time and I hate them. Yeah. So either you change or I walk away. Yeah. And and it's like you it becomes an ultimatum, right? Yeah. And that's we do that the all the time in yes, relationships. Time. Yeah. Or all in our head. In yes. relationships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, that's where for me, it's like you have to learn how to not only set better boundaries, but also be able to really communicate what doesn't work well and what you think needs to be modified. Yeah. So true. Okay. I'm going to go with you because I think that this whole conversation right now just reminds me of when we talked about boundaries and we talked about big boundaries and small boundaries. So it was like firm lines. You're like, can people change when this person hits me or berates me or calls me names or uses cuss words or scares me you know like the to me these are my big boundaries i'm like i've learned that i don't even wait around to ask that question anymore i'm like if i ask myself if this person can change and whatever is that is the boundary line is like a hard boundary where i've said i'm not going to accept being in an abusive relationship 
I don't, I don't even bother anymore. But I remember a time when that was hard. It's a pull between them and you, right? So if yes. your personhood, if your personhood and your value exists on one plane and it runs up against this other person and their value, whether they value you, then the amount that you allow that distance to give someone opportunities for change is absolutely going to be crushed up against your own self-worth. Totally. And your boundaries. Yeah, I think you're totally right. That's so interesting. Everything that you get into a fight about when you're like, I wish this person would change is not just about them. Because underneath it, you're asking yourself like, I wish they would change because what they do hurts me or what they do makes me feel devalued or unimportant. While you're talking, I'm processing, right? And what I'm getting from all of this is there are small changes like I am an orderly person, you know, like chaos and things kind of thrown around make me feel anxiety. Like they make me feel anxious. So I try to keep things where they belong, right? There's a place for things in my home. So when things are not in their place, it creates anxiety. Cause then when I look for it, it's not there. I'm like, uh, where is it? Okay. So I know we've talked about this before. Cause you, this is you with your husband and me and my fiance, right? Where I'm like, Hey, why is there remote control in the kitchen? Right. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh. So those are small things, right? Like, please try to work at keeping things where they belong. Do you Not say big, that every week? No, I don't even let it bother me anymore. Uh. Because in certain ways, and I've had this conversation with my fiance, he's just like, I am like scattered brained. I'm never really going to be able to get to the place where you are. You just have to accept that. And I'm like, I don't have to accept that. What do you mean? You know, but I do. I do have to accept it. You have to accept the perfection of it because I am not always going to be 100% there. But if you ask me, like, did I change for my husband? Like 80% because my butt would have had that remote control in the cushions. I would spend 10 minutes every time before TV looking for it. And I just titrated my life to accommodate for my messiness. But 80% of the time, I put that remote control back where it belongs. I always feel like it's the 20% when I don't put it back that my husband's like, where's the remote control? <laughs> yes, I, I totally get that. And I've had those conversations. But there is a place of acceptance there, right? You are being attentive. You're trying in some capacity to modify your behavior. And, you know, I'm going to have to accept that you were trying and modify the expectation that like, oh, you're supposed to function like America. No, no, no. You're going to function as you with some slight modifications. Acknowledging the trying is so huge. And it's like parenting where you kind of hold children to this weird standard. We always yell at them. I feel like we kind of do that with our partners. It's because it's always so easy to see the negative. What we don't give credit for is the trying. Sometimes I think the, the emotions of the moment like override that, you know? Because you get mad or irritated. And yeah. those feelings are so easy to access. Yeah. And not only is the irritation and anger easy to access, but the like, do you find that the um, rapid thoughts that go from 
the remote control to why is this person such an idiot like it it just happens in like a split second and you're like why is it that you can jump from this like benign action to uh, i should just leave yeah it's Um, a protective factor but so dumb that we so easy for us to do that that's the trauma brain completely i kind of have to talk myself down from that moment of explosiveness to be like okay dude out of five times this week, they've been able to do it four times. Maybe, you know, that's good. They're trying. They're really trying. And I think it means a lot when you can see that there's some effort being made, yeah. right? The other side of that, though, are are the big changes. Not even in just like a relationship like with your husband or your partner, but in friendships, right? Where we talked about this a little bit in our friendship series where, you know, you're consistently the person that's like, yeah, let's get together. And then we never actually get together. And for various reasons, but like, let's say I call you and I'm in a moment of super distress and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll call you back and never call me back. Yeah. I really needed you at that moment. And you, and and for me that you, you failed right in that moment, you failed. That's the gray, you know, that's the gray where pain and and change is gray Mm because you're like, I love you and you keep doing this thing that's super painful and I'm really not sure if you're ever going to change. And then you have to decide how you titrate your expectations and your presence with these people. Yes. To stay in relationship with them. Totally. One thing I've done is that's why you have different people for different things. Like, I'm like, oh, this person is not able to give me that need. So I don't ever go to them for that because they're my fun friend. My fun friend doesn't do sad Teresa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or fun friend doesn't do, you know, chaotic Teresa. And, and that kind of helps, you know, and in, in that way, if you had to ask me or push me down on it, I, I would say I knew in that moment that that person was not going to be able to change that aspect. And I was not willing to put in the work to tell them because that's what it requires too. Yes. If you want them to change, it means you have to do the work to uncouple your feelings from the way they hurt you enough to be able to describe why they did what they did hurts and why in a way that helps them to change. And that takes a lot of energy. Uh, yeah, that takes tons of energy and it takes a lot of internal work for you to do that decoupling like you're mm-hmm. disconnecting from how this is affecting you personally yeah right because it goes back to, to just put yes you just put it up outside on a platter outside of your relationship be like this is what's happening this is what's been done yeah i need you to examine this and see it for what it is right it goes back to that thing where we our impulse can't be to this person like you're just a jerk and you're not nice or you're a bully or and and to go from there to say wait what is your situation and why are you the way you are why why is the way i'm perceiving this this way and if it matters to you to change this person you have to do that work to move from that emotional reactive space to like the step back empathic what's going on here I have to figure out how to see it for what it is and then be able to talk to you about it in a way that you understand and then see if you're willing to change. Yeah. We have to do that with our closest relationships. Like I do that the most with my partner. So a couple of things are are sticking out for me in, in some of my most recent experiences where I'm thinking, did you change? Did your reaction in this specific moment change? And 
like if you could see my face, I'm just like, oh my god, yes, I did, I did, I did change. You changed um, for your partner. I did, yes, and I changed not not just for my partner. I changed because of, of of situations in our relationship, but I changed because I saw that they were not good for me and for us. Yes, right. Yes, in therapy, those are those aha moments. Yeah. What I take away from that experience is the definite need to be able to look at the problem without without that personal connection. I, I like to strip it away for what it is without really being able to be like, oh, you know what I'm thinking about? You know that web thing that you've done before where you're like, these are all the identities of myself, right? But if you, and we talked a little bit about this before, like the why, when you keep breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down, and you're like, Okay, I responded in that way because because I'm a grudge holder. Um, seven weeks ago, when you said this thing, it still stuck with me, and we haven't processed it in the way that I think we should have. So this is why I'm responding in this way, right? But that took a lot of work, a lot of work. <laughs> but also in another situation that was not directly, um, you know, it wasn't directly involved with me, but with some other folks, it's like. There was this expectation from one of my really close friends that this other person would change. Mm -hmm. And I was like, when, when they're sharing this with me, I was just like, I don't, I don't think they change. This is like the same type of behavior that's been exhibited like Xing times or whatever. Mm -hmm. So unless something miraculous has happened in their life that has caused them to really rethink the way that they operate, mm -hmm. I don't think change will happen. And so through this conversation, inevitably, it was like, yeah, so I put myself out there, but they didn't change. I had the same reaction. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that sucks. That totally sucks. But what do you do when you've come to that place and you come to recognize, like, I've done everything. Then you grieve. And that's where you, oh, yeah, man. Then you grieve. Then you cry and figure out how to say goodbye and the loss of the possibility of what could have been. Oh God. And then you're angry and like grief is all that, right? Sad anger. Then you probably bargain. And this is why we go back. This is why we go back to people that we love. And we think, and even if we don't physically go back, sometimes I daydream about going back. I'm like, Oh, what could have been? Yeah. Did things I could have been wrong? different. Yeah. So I'll say this, you know, with romantic relationships, like, okay, there's a breakup and this goodbye, and then you see them change with other people, blah, blah, blah. I think with siblings is there's a different dynamic because like you watch these people grow up and they're growing up with you. So you're like, I don't understand how you can literally have the same environment and have a personality where you're like <laughs> different, right? And like, I don't know what it is about like sibling relationships where can your sibling change is hard too because you're if you're very close to your siblings you also see them day in and day out and you do see them change sometimes like i think around stress with like family members like we'll be like you know what that person can change but literally right now in the time and place they are in their life they're not going to change for you right now cuz they're going through that thing yeah like they're going through so much stress that they're titrating to stress personhood and that stress personhood is their primal personhood they are like not they're not using their coping skills mm -hmm. they're not they've fallen back you know like 
Yes. If I know a ver- person very intimately, I will know the way their change capacity changes with stress. Like, you know, when you're very stressed out, it's harder for you to change because your brain's somewhere else. Like your brain is focused on other things. So it's very hard for you to, to change. <laughs> Like me getting, losing weight and focusing on being a nice person is way easier when I'm not having an episode or if I'm not stressed out. Like then I have more brain space for change. The dynamic that you're describing, I think, can exist in both spaces though. Like definitely in the family relationship where you, maybe you have more um, day-to-day contacts and you can see the differences in people when when you're with family and you have a, a closer relationship with them you see them on a daily you see them more often than other people you are given the benefit of context context so yeah i can totally see look my brother's like working mad hours he's really you know stressed out by all these mm-hmm. things and he doesn't have the capacity to do this whereas maybe my friend that i don't regularly see i'm just like I call them all the time and they never pick up the phone. Right. So I don't have the context. I'm just judging the fact they don't pick up the phone. And context builds empathy. Yes. And the empathy is what's needed to give people forgiveness or leverage for time. Yes. But it also helps you figure out how to talk to people. Like, how do I talk to you to help you see what you need to see to change? <laughs> how do I convince you to change? <laughs> no, totally. Because if you set it in that in that frame, right, where we're saying, okay, we don't have that context. If I really want to try to connect with my friend that's not answering, then maybe for me what's really important is to give them information to help them understand why it is that I need them. Like, I could send them a text and be like, you know, I'm really going through a hard time. I don't know what's going on with you, but I really love the fact that when you and I chat, I always feel better. I would love to like be able to just chat with you. I don't know how things are, but call me. Right. And then they're like, oh, actually my dog died and then my dad died. And you're like, what? I'm so sorry. Right. (laughs) Right. Then you're giving them the, you're giving them information enough to be able to communicate your needs. Right. One. Yeah. Now, if the response is like, oh, sorry, and then nothing, you're just like ghosted. Yeah, Yeah, okay, maybe this is not the person you should be reaching out to. Context builds empathy, gives you understanding about someone's capacity for change. Wait, before we end this session. No, we need final thoughts. Yes, but you asked me, can I change? Mm -hmm. Do you you think you can change? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I roll. I have changed. Of course, you know, I I think about change a lot in the context of my trauma and my mental health challenges. And that's why I brought up the brain capacity thing, because I feel like it's like lizard brain. Like when I have an episode, I just go back to like my most primal state of being. Mm-hmm. I don't have much capacity for change in that moment. I can barely function and survive. I'm trying to just survive, you know, like it feels like that. It feels very heavy. It's very hard. It feels a lot like there's a lot of weight. And so if somebody came at me with the way that I hurt them or something in that moment, it's very hard not to in my brain be like, I can't. I don't even I can't even have the capacity to like 
hear you right now, you know, Um, which makes me feel so sad. Like, I feel like this is what mental illnesses steal from you. Like, I grieve large parts of loss of relationship because I think about this all the time and now you're going to get me crying, you know, because it's like, I feel bad for my husband and myself that we have this third person or this third party in our relationships, you know? Mm. That's heavy, babe. I feel the weight of that in, in what you're sharing. But I also totally understand the limited capacity that exists when you are overloaded, right? Yeah. Your your emotional and, and your emotional state and your brain state is just like overloaded. I think all people can relate to that. Yeah. Because we all are human beings with a brain. And even when I'm not in an episode, I have that sense. Like I could have a bad day and be very stressed or a bad week and be very stressed and not not have the capacity to change, revert in my changing and do all those things too. But it's different when I'm in an episode too. It's like longer, it's deeper, it's darker. It's It's just a lot harder. Yeah. What I take away from what you shared in this conversation is the hope that I think we all carry, right? That when we see things that we need to improve for ourselves and for the relationships that we're in, we have the ability to do so. Like we take it on and and try to do good by that. But within that space, we also have to give ourselves an opportunity to engage in understanding the context of where people are, where we are, where others are, to then be able to say, I need you to change this thing that you've done. Yeah. Because that's going to vary for each experience and each individual that we have. Thanks, friends. Until next time. We'll talk to you uh, next week, everybody. Keep on fighting in the open.